Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Uh, I'm going to have you turn your Bibles. Exodus chapter 13, and we'll get going. Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, Genesis, very first book. The next book you go to Exodus. How many people are not even turning pages? You're flipping it up on your phone. You don't care how many pages. Yeah, okay. If you're turning pages, it's Genesis and then Exodus. And when you get it, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, if you would. And if you're from this church, you would know this. But if you're new, if you're a guest, if you're a visitor, uh, we, we don't up and down the whole morning, just so you know that. We stand when we read our primary text. And the reason is purely a physical reminder, not because it's right or wrong. It's a physical reminder. We absolutely believe believe that God wants to speak to us today, speak to you, speak to me, speak to people who are online. And so God speaks through his word. And so we want to hear what he has to say. This is uh, Exodus chapter 13. And just so you know, I'm going to start in verse 11 and just read a couple verses. This is starting in verse 11. It says, this is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise that he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word, and we know that all scripture, God, you inspired it. You wrote through men by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we believe this, that we've gathered this morning to worship you, and in that, Father, we believe you have something to say to us today. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you to make that clear. What are you saying this morning? Give us wisdom, God. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts and minds to to take this in. Speak what you wish, God. And uh, do it in a way that draws us to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And so, if you weren't here last week, we started a brand new series. And just so you know, I'll give you a heads up, this is kind of a roadmap. We're doing this series for three weeks. Three weeks. Last week, this week, and next week. And then we go right back to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans for a while. We've started it. We took a quick break. We had the holidays. We're going to uh, be still two weeks in this one. And then we're going right back to the book of Romans. So we haven't left it. But we started la- last week. Uh, with this idea. This was the thought, and I want you to just soak this in and think about this just for a second. God wants you to thrive. God's desire is for you to thrive. God wants you to flourish. That is God's desire for you. And it's kind of a weird thought, I know, but if you go all the way back to Genesis, past earlier than where we started today, Genesis chapter 1, God just finished uh, creating man. He just made man, and then the very next thing God did is it says, and he blessed them. God bless them. God is a God of blessing. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to flourish. Jesus, speaking in the New Testament, right, was uh, in, in uh, John chapter 9, he healed a man on, I hate it when he does that. He does it on the Sabbath, and then people freak out, and the, all the religious people get all upset about it. And so Jesus starts having this conversation in John 10, and he's telling them about who he is and how he differs from, from the false prophets and from, even from the devil himself. And so Jesus has described himself as a shepherd, and he says, I'm a good shepherd, and he contrasts himself to the enemy, which could be the devil, and it can also be just those in in, in the culture who are working against God's word. And Jesus says this, the thief, 
The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And many of you have heard that. But Jesus said, my purpose as the good shepherd is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And we said this, that if you, if you have a slightly older transition or the one that you heard when you probably grew up, Jesus said, I came that they would have life and have it abundantly is the word. And abundantly in the Greek is this word, it's parison, and it means this, it's a mathematical term. It almost always speaks of mathematics in excess of, of numbers in excess. It's a word means exceedingly, it means very highly, it means beyond measure, it means more superfluous, it means a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than one would anticipate or expect. That's the life that Jesus came to give us. That's the life that Jesus wants you to have. A, meaning, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life full of joy. Now, we said this last week and I'll repeat it this week because of the culture that we live in. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the phrase or the term or if you're familiar with prosperity theology. Raise your hand. Okay, more than I thought, right? Hey, just so you know, if you, if you need to know this because you're new or you're newer or you're guest, we are not, we do not subscribe to prosperity theology. And the big issue with prosperity theology, number one, it's just flat out unbiblical. But prosperity theology basically says this, the greater your faith, the greater your wealth. And it doesn't just mean money. It would apply that you should be physically healthy, that you should be materially wealthy, that you should be personally happy. Now, just, just play this out anecdotally. How many of you have ever known someone who loved Jesus, loved Jesus, and they died? Nobody? Okay. You all know someone like that. Okay. How many of you know somebody who loved Jesus, loved Jesus, and they got sick? Okay, this doesn't mean that you're just, you know, you're supposed to always be healthy and always be wealthy and you should just be happy. It doesn't mean that. What Jesus is saying is, I came that they would flourish in the midst of the human experience. That you would have a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of joy, even when you're sick or even when things are really difficult or even when things are really challenging. That's what he's saying here. So just, just, I just want you to know this. And I, I feel like, I always wonder in ancient times, did they have prosperity theology? Do you know what I mean? Like, look at the size of that guy's camel. He must, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that meant. But it, it's just so silly to me. But I feel like we have to say it because of the culture and the day that we live in. And so, really, I, I just want to go back to the other day. I, I want you to keep soaking this in. God's desire for you is to thrive in the midst of this life experience, in the midst of these difficulties. You're having hardship, guess what? In the midst of that, God wants you to thrive, to have a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of fulfillment, to live the abundant life. Now, in order to do that, last week we talked about this. There are three things we said that really get in the way, and we talked about the parable of the sower and the seeds. If you weren't here, I would encourage you, go back and watch that online, right? It's about 35 minutes, watch that message. But we looked at the three thorns that choke up us out. We get all caught up in this world and we get choked out and we don't thrive. And I think that's a lot of what's happened. But today I told you I was going to show you this. I want you to see one principle and I'm going to show you the principle of first. I want you to learn the principle of first today and how that applies. Because I'm telling you this, if we apply the principle of first, you thrive. And I don't know if it's that we're uneducated 
I think sometimes for me, it's just being thick-headed. But we're going to see the principle of first today. When you walk out of here, I want you to really understand that. So this is what I'm going to do. And I got special compensation from district leadership. So we, right, because you and I fought about this, and then you said, go ahead, and then you're fired. And so what we're going to do is, I'm giving you the big so what up front today. Exactly right. Exactly right. This is serious stuff. So I'm going to give you the big so what up front. And then I'm going to just spell it out. We're going to walk through it. And the big so what in your uh, programs is wrong because I screwed it up. So don't, don't worry. Uh, but here's your, your big so what today. And this is principle first. You give God the first and he'll bless the rest. This is not prosperity theology. I'm going to show you this strictly from the Bible. And I'm going I'm to show you in a number of ways. But I want you to keep this in mind. Give God the first. Give God the first. If you give God the first... Right? He, he wants to bless the rest. That's the God that we serve. Now, I want you to look at your text where we started today, but I'm going to go back to verse 1. This is Exodus 13, but I'm going back all the way back to verse 1. Now, watch what the text says. Then the Lord said to Moses, now just contextually, just so you know this, and I'll, I always kind of spell this out. Remember Abraham, then we had Isaac, then we had Jacob. Then Jacob had 12 sons, right? He had Joseph was his one son that the other brothers sold into slavery. He was taken down into Egypt. He rose eventually from a slave. He rose to second in power only under Pharaoh. And while he was there, there was a a great famine in the land. His brothers and father all still live up in Canaan, up in the land. And they came down because of the great famine. And as they're there, begin to multiply, 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 multiply. The Egyptians are very threatened because these people, these different people are, are starting to multiply and multiply and multiply. And they say, hey, here's what we need to do. We need to make them slaves. And so the Egyptians begin to, to enslave the Israelites. They begin to treat them harshly. And, and, and so now, after 400 years as being a slave, uh, God has, has sent a, a, a man to deliver them. That man's name was? Moses, good call. And so Moses eventually leads them out. You remember this? They're, they're about to leave Egypt. And God is telling them what's going to happen. And now he says to Moses, look, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to dedicate to me every, here it is, you ready? Firstborn. Not just a kid, not just any kid. You're going to dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born. Now, it's both of humans and animals. And here's the principle why. Because it belongs to God is what he says. That belongs to me. Okay, now drop down to verse 12. Look at verse 12. 12, he's in it, added again. He says, you must present all first. That's the key word here. All firstborn sons and first born male animals to the Lord. Because, why? Because they belong to him. Now, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. This gets very Old Testament-y. And so sometimes we read the Old Testament, we're like, what is going on here? What kind of silliness? Listen to me. All Scripture is inspired and is useful for teaching, for training, for rebuking, right? All Scripture. And so let me just give you this word of encouragement. When you read the Old Testament, there are a couple things you should always look for. Number one, look for the heart of God. When you read Old Testament law, you say, well, we don't, we don't have ox anymore. No, 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 I know that. Look for the heart of God. And number two, always look for Jesus. When you read the Old Testament consistently, look for the heart of God, look for the heart of Jesus. We're going to see that coming up here. He says, you've got to present all the firstborn sons and the firstborn male animals to the Lord. Why? Because they belong to him. Now, here's where it gets really Old testament This is verse 13 then. This is a firstborn, believe me, this is all coming back. A firstborn donkey may be bought back, is the key word here, from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. 
But if you don't buy it back, there it is again, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back, there it is again, every firstborn son. Now, a couple of really important phrases here that you need to know, and I've highlighted them. Buy back. To buy back, we see that three times here. Buy back, buy back, buy back, is the word that we oftentimes use as redeem. It's redeem. In other words, you've got to redeem it. We'll look at that a little closer. You've got to redeem it. And the other word that I want you to pay attention here is to presenting. Presenting would be sacrifice. So you've got two options here with the firstborn. You've either got to redeem it or you've got to sacrifice it. The question becomes, how do we know which one is which? Well, here's how you know. Do you redeem it or do you sacrifice it? Animals were classified as clean animals and unclean animals. A clean animal would be a sheep. A clean animal would be a goat, right? Unclean animals, for instance, we know for Jews, the unclean animal is a pig. It would be animals like that, right? And, and so here's the rule. If it's a clean animal, then you sacrifice its firstborn. With me? If you had a sheep, you have to sacrifice the firstborn of that sheep. If it's an unclean animal, like let's just say it's, it's a pig or a donkey, you, you don't sacrifice its firstborn because that animal is unclean. You would have to buy it back. You'd have to redeem that animal and you'd have to buy it back. Now, again, I told you this, and I, I, this is, I'm, I'm just going to go off on a slick tangent just for a second because I want you to see Jesus in the Old Testament. You always look for the heart of God. You always look for Jesus. And I want to show you this. So I want to give you a definition of what it means to redeem. And redeem means this. To compensate, now think about this, because I told you, look for Jesus, so you know what you're looking for, right? To, to redeem means to compensate for the faults or the bad aspects of something. It also means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. Now question, question, you and I, are we clean or are we unclean? We're unclean. We are unclean. We were born into sin. Take as many showers as you want, brothers and sisters, we are unclean. Born into sin. We are naturally unclean. Okay. Is Jesus clean or unclean? Got it. Therefore, since we're unclean, we have to be redeemed. Right? I can't be, I can't be somebody's sacrifice because I'm unclean. Another person can't be my sacrifice because they're unclean. So to compensate for the faults or the bad aspects, to compensate for our sin, we were redeemed by Jesus. To gain or regain possession of something in exchange for possession, we were bought back with Jesus. And so at the end of the day, it's God sacrificing his first, the clean, so that we, the unclean, could be redeemed. That's exactly how it worked for Christ. Christ was our sacrifice. Only Christ could be our sacrifice because he's clean. We needed the sacrifice because we're unclean. Okay, now I'm going to go back to your verse again because I want to get back on track. This was 13. A firstborn donkey, unclean animal. That animal has to be bought back from the Lord by sacrificing a lamb. A lamb is a clean animal or a young goat in its place. And I want to show you a principle here that we see as well. If you don't buy it back, if you have an unclean animal and you don't redeem it, you don't buy it back, you must break its neck. What is God saying here? Hey, listen to me. You don't give me the first, you ain't keeping it. You're going to lose it anyway. See, the principle of first says we give God the first and God will bless the rest. We've already talked about this, everybody. It doesn't mean you get filthy rich. It means you prosper in whatever you do. 
It means that you have a real joy. It means that you have a sense of purpose. It means that you have a sense of meaning. It means that you, you, you thrive even in hardship. So here we see it, right? God giving his first, and we say give God the first and he'll bless the rest. God gave his first, now we give first. We give first always and God will bless the rest. That's the principle of the first. Now, we saw it in a firstborn, right? All right, I want you to see this. As you harvest your crops, we're not talking about born anymore. Now we're talking about crops. We're talking about the principle of first fruits. It's the same. It's the principle of first. Because as you harvest your crops, you're supposed to bring the very best of the first. Not just the first, the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord, your God. This is, again, it's principle of first. The Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs said this, honor the Lord with your wealth, not just firstborn. Honor him with your wealth. And, 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 and translators would say this, and with the best part of everything. They would say that means the first, not just the best part. It means the first. We give God the first of our wealth. We give God the first part of everything we produce. Why? Because you give God the first and he'll bless the rest. Give God the first, and then he says, and then, then what? Well, then you'll have less of everything, right? If you're starting to give some to God, you're going to have less. No, that's not what the writer of Proverbs said. He said, then God will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Why? Because when you give God the first, he blesses the rest. Do you want to thrive? Do you want to have a life of purpose and meaning? Do you want to have a life where you have joy, even in the midst of hardship? That's what it means to thrive. God's desire is for you to thrive, and he's given us the outline. He's given you the outline. He's given me the outline. He's given, if you're online, he's given you the outline, and it's the principle of first. This is what we do. Now, I want to show you another example because it's principle of first. It's, it's, it's not just first of produce. It's not just first of money. It's the principle of first. We know this that the Israelites, finally Moses led them out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. Now they wander the desert for 40 years. Why? Because of disobedience. Now they just crossed the Jordan River. At flood stage, they walked through on dry ground. Now they're back inside the promised land, the, God, the land that God had promised them. And God has told them, conquer the land. So they're about to have battle. Where are they going? City of Jericho. Jericho is a well-walled city, and they're going to have a battle there. Now, it makes common sense to us, yes, that when you conquer a city, one of the rewards for conquering a city is the spoils of war. You get the spoils of war. You take whatever you want. Well, you've conquered the city. That's yours. The difference is God has told them, mm, not this time. And so in Joshua, when he's telling us, he said, hey, this first battle, this battle of Jericho, don't take any of the things that are set apart for destruction. If you do, you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. They're not supposed to. What happens? They go into Jericho. They defeat Jericho by the power of God. A man named Achan steals some of the stuff. And now they're going to go to their next battle. Their next battle is a little town called Ai, A-I. Their next battle is at a town called Ai. It's not a big deal. And so because it's not a big deal, they just sent about approximately 3,000 warriors are sent. But they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. And they killed about 36 who were just running down this slope. They were in retreat. Now, why did that happen? I'll tell you why it happened. Because Jericho was the first 
battle in the new land. And because Jericho is the first battle, God says, that belongs to me. First belongs to me. Don't take any of that. If you take it, guess what? It, or rather, if, if you take that, or if you're trying to keep it, guess what? You're not going to get to keep it anyway. And they didn't because they were soundly defeated at I. Why? Because the first belongs to God. And if we give God the first, he'll bless the rest. God's total desire is to bless his kids for you to thrive. God wants you to thrive mentally. He wants you to thrive emotionally. God's desire is that your marriages would thrive, that your relationships would thrive. But in order for that to happen, we have to practice the principle of the first. Now, there's an interesting uh, thing that happened early in the scriptures. We know that Adam and Eve, first male and female, had two sons initially. Who were their sons? Cain and Abel. Some of you know this story. Cain was a, a farmer. Abel was a, a shepherd. And they made sacrifices to the Lord. And we find out later that God wasn't pleased with Cain's sacrifice. And there's great debate uh, that's weird. Why wouldn't God be happy with Cain's sacrifice? Watch the story. This is back in Genesis. It says, when it was time for the harvest. Remember, Cain's a farmer. When it's time for the harvest, Cain presented some, some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. You get the idea that Cain just has some crops coming in, and he harvests everything, and now maybe it's sitting in some storage areas, and now Cain kind of says, I'll give some of that to God. I'll give some of that to God. And you wouldn't think that necessarily when you first read it, but watch what happens. Watch the stark contrast. Because now it says, Abel, his brother, also brought a gift to the Lord. Abel's a shepherd. He's got animals. Now watch the stark difference. Cain just gave some. Abel gave the very best portions of the firstborn. The first of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And here's the editorial comment that we have. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he didn't accept Cain and his gift. See, Cain just gave some, Abel gave first. My question as I read this is I had to stop and think, when do I give some and I get to feel real good about myself, but it's not first. God said, I didn't want some. I already own it all anyway. I wanted the first. That's what God, now, let me ask you this question. What's the big deal about first? Why is this first thing so important? Why does God have to have the first? This is simpler than you think. First means faith. Now think about this. First means faith. You have a sheep. Firstborn comes out. You sacrifice that Lord. You have no idea whether that sheep is ever going to produce again or not. Here's what you say. God, by faith. By faith, I'm giving to you. I trust you. I place my faith in you. I trust you. I believe that you will provide for me. Right? You get paid. You get paid. You get a check. Right? I think this is oftentimes what we, what we tend to do. Well, I pay the mortgage. I pay the rent. I, I, I owe on my car. I pay whatever, 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 whatever. And now I got some left. As opposed to, oh, oh little came in. Okay, God. You get the first. Now, I don't know if any more money's coming in or not. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job or not. But here's the thing, God. I trust you. I place my faith in you. See, the, the writer of Hebrews tells us this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. 
You can't please God because you're just going about your business and I give him some and this kind of works, right? It's impossible to please God without faith. All right, let me go back to this. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to thrive. We, we just got to start soaking that in. God wants you to thrive, right? And so if that's the case, then God wants you first. I, I'm figuring this one. Most of you want to thrive. If I say, how are you doing? I don't, I don't think our goal is to really go, hey, I'm, I'm maybe slightly above average. I don't think that's what we desire. I think we want to say, oh man, I am thriving. I'm thriving. God is blessed. You know what? Things are really, have been really difficult lately. And in the midst of that, I am thriving. I, I, I honestly believe that what I'm living is what Jesus would have called the abundant life. I think that's what we want. I, I don't know anybody who says, I, you know what I really have dreamt of? I've just dreamt of this since I was six. I would love someday to just get by. Who's saying that? Nobody says that. Right. You want to thrive? God wants you to thrive. And God says, I want you to thrive. But principle of the first. The principle of first. The principle of first. We said this from the very get-go. If you give God first, he'll bless the rest. That's faith. That's faith. Now, let's apply this for just a second. Let's apply it. Because here's what that really looks like. First of your time. First of your time. Let me ask you a question. What day is today? Sunday. What day of the week? So you give God the first. He'll bless the rest. Now, I'm not legalistic about this. You're not going to hell if you go to church on Saturday night, everybody. We're on the same page, right? <laughs> Saturday night church is okay. Whatever night you go. But I'm just saying, I think of it that way, man. Sunday, you give God the first day. I would even say this. When we get up in the morning, uh-uh, give God the first. Give God the first. He'll bless the rest. Martin Luther, the famous German monk, once said this. He said, I have so much to do today. I have so much today. I shall give God the first three hours in prayer. How many of us say that? When you got a day, you get up and you got a day and you know your day is packed. You know you got to study. You know you got to whatever, whatever. You know you got a million things to do. You're like, I got so much to do today. I'm just going to sit here in prayer for three hours. I, I, it's not my habit, but my devotional time is in the morning. There's times when I don't feel like it, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to give God the first. Right? How are you doing with time? I, I, only you can answer that. I mean, I've prayed for you this week that the Holy Spirit, for, for all of us, that the Holy Spirit would speak. The Holy Spirit would convict us, show us where we're short. How are you doing with time? Right? What about your talents? I don't know if you know this, man. We have scores of people who serve here every Sunday. They have jobs. They go to work. We got folks that have uh, spent an entire week here <laughs> just building stuff out in our church. They're using their talents and they're giving them back to God. What do you do with your talents? You say, well, that's my business. That's, that's how I make a living. Right, we give God the first. Sometimes I feel like God only gets leftovers from me, right? What about your treasures? What about your treasures? Your possessions? Do they really belong to us or do they belong to God? Money's a tough one. Money's a tough one, I know. I got in a big debate with somebody one time. It wasn't really a big debate. I just had made a statement. He's like, I, I, I always say, look, man, when, when we tithe, 
do tithe off of the net, and we tithe off of the gross. I don't tell you how I feel about this. You tithe off the net, who got paid first? The government did. I'm paying the government, not first. The government doesn't promise to bless me. We give God first. We give God first. It's the principle of first. And then everything had to start with a T, so I called this ties. But it's our relationships. Do you give relationships to God? Let me say this to you if you're in the room and you're single, right? I was single once, and I, I knew I wanted to be married. And sometimes that, that relationship becomes so important that it overrides God. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there's a whole lot of people, I would imagine, who suffered significant consequences because you put the relationship before God and you got into a bad relationship. And now, you, and now you're paying the price. And I'm not saying, there, see, learn your lesson. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, give God the first. He'll bless the rest. Put God first in relationships. Ask God, is this the right relationship for me? Right, what about family relationships? So this is what I've asked all week. This is what I've prayed. Man, God, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. You want us to thrive. See, all of this stuff, this adds up to you. This adds up to you. This is basically who you are. And you've got to give yourself to God first. And if you do, and if you do, God's promises, we're not talking about prosperity theology. God's promises are you will thrive. That, that's the way I've set this up. That's what God would say. I've said, I want you to thrive. I want you to experience that life, that vibrant life, that abundant life. The God who can make things happen, that God, the God who made you, the God who made me, that's what he desires. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your holy word, God. Thank you that you speak to us. We're so grateful for that, Father. We've come to worship you. And you responded by speaking to us. And Holy Spirit, I've been praying for the last two weeks about this message. And I'm asking even right now that you would convict all of us, not in a condemning way. We're not asking you for condemnation. We're saying, Holy Spirit, speak to us, teach us. I want to give you just a second in silence to sit and listen to the Holy Spirit. What's he saying to you about first? Give us the courage to follow up on what you've been speaking to us. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We're grateful that your desire, the great creator, your desire is you want us to thrive. God, give us the courage to be obedient now to what you've said. Give us courage, oh God.